The reading today is taken from Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 31, which is on 1033 in your church Bibles. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Popcorn, lovely. You know, after Christmas, I thought I'd never be able to eat again the whole of the rest of my life. And here I am, you know, it doesn't take long, and boy, I could do with a good meal again. Mmm. Really nice, we've got some chocolates here. Sorry that it's not for you guys. Just you can watch me, that's fun. Do you know, we're starting a series of reflections on meals with Jesus. And uh, it's very interesting that when you look at the New Testament, you discover that a large proportion of Jesus' ministry was spent at table. Lots and lots of meetings, teaching opportunities, exchanges, Challenges happen at table for Jesus. Now, I guess in one sense that's not surprising, is it? Because in the culture, spitting out bits of popcorn, in the culture, food was really important, just like it is in our culture. I mean, it's not, it's not just about eating physical food, is it? It's about spending time with other people. And so in the culture of Jesus' day, uh, meals were actually social events. They were opportunities to create community, to bind together uh, bonds of friendship. And uh, I guess if we look at the Old Testament, we discover that in the Old Testament culture, meals had a really important role to play, didn't they? Just think, the very first sin happened during a meal. Eating the forbidden fruit the people of God remembered supremely who they were because of a meal, the Passover, a moment to take stock as often meals are and to think through what, what we've done, where we've come from, who we are. There's a great moment in the Old Testament where Abraham is there and he sees three people, three visitors coming and what's his response? It's to show hospitality, how? By inviting them to a meal because meals were an opportunity for welcome, culturally an opportunity to engage with people. Uh, at, at that, on that occasion, Abraham discovered that actually uh, meals are also an opportunity for blessing, for unexpected promise. So throughout the Old Testament, meals had a really important focus, so much so that they became ritualized. 
Sacrifice became the heart of the Old Testament faith because it was centered on meal. An opportunity for reconciliation, opportunity for new starts, to hear the message again, discover who we are, meet other people. Meals were so important. So it's not surprising that in Jesus' ministry, meals were at the heart. But what is surprising is the type of meals that Jesus enjoyed having. You see, the thing is, Jesus wasn't just like the normal Jews and certainly not like the normal Jewish rabbis. He shocked people by his meals. Jesus shocked them because of the intensity of joy that had happened every time he was at table. There was a rejoicing, a sense of excitement, a sense of novelty, something happening. It was party time with Jesus. And the pious Jews of Jesus' day were not used to that, and it did not conform to their image of a prophet. I mean, the prophet for them in the Old Testament was somebody who abstained who went into the desert and who abstained from food, who fasted. And actually we see that contrast played out really interestingly in Luke's Gospel where John the Baptist himself, who is the archetype of the Old Testament prophet, remember? Who spent his time doing what? In the desert eating locusts and honey. I mean, he was abstaining. That was his model. Even he was, was thrown by the model Jesus gave of celebration and feasting, so much so that at one point he sends his disciples to say, is this really you? Are you really the one we were expecting? Because the way you act does not correspond to what we thought a godly, pious prophet should behave. Jesus spent his time in excess, fullness, celebration. He was fun-loving. And people came to him not for a religious service, but for a fun experience of life. But it wasn't just because of the excess and the fun that Jesus shocked people. It was also the people that Jesus chose to spend his time with. You see, he chose to eat and drink with people of disreputable reputation. He was known, we know from Scripture and from this Gospel that we're looking at, Luke's Gospel, that he was known as a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was the problem. Glutton and drunkard, too much. Friend of tax collectors and sinners with the wrong people. He spent his time with those who shouldn't be in his presence. He spent his time feasting with the wrong people. And that shocked the pious Jews of Jesus' day. But here's the thing. For Jesus, that is precisely the point. Because every meal that Jesus shared with others was an enacted parable. Let me explain. A meal for Jesus was the opportunity for teaching, but it was also the teaching itself. The very fact that he shared at table with people was the kingdom. Do you see that? And every time he came to table, it was the opportunity to embody a dimension of the kingdom that disciples following Jesus needed to learn. It happened at table. So for Jesus, meals 
had a prophetic dimension. They were eschatological. That means they were looking forward to the future. They were signs of the kingdom now, sharing. The excluded, the downtrodden, welcomed. But they were also, in some respects, sacramental. What does that mean? That means they were what they, see, what they, what they were pictures of. You see, the meal itself was the moment of grace where people received Jesus' love. They sat at table with him and they, they, they were blown away that a prophet should want to spend time with them. And as they did it, they discovered that God was there with them. Meals were a moment of grace. You see, for Jesus, it wasn't just a prayer to be said before the meal, grace. It was the moment itself. You can't sum a meal with Jesus up better than that wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians that says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's a meal for Jesus. That's what he does. That's the gospel embodied, sharing. Now we're going to look through over the next couple of months different examples of meals that Jesus shares with people. And each time there's a, there's a discipleship lesson. But where better to start than Levi's banquet? Because that is the picture of discipleship, friends. At table with Jesus. I mean, how does it happen? Well, the text tells us very simply that Levi was there. Jesus called him. Levi followed. And then Levi celebrated by inviting Jesus to his home. In a sense, that's what John the Baptist was calling for when he said, have fruits, show fruits of repentance in your life. That's exactly what Levi was doing. He who had been getting the whole time, he'd been grabbing. Suddenly he was giving. Suddenly he was inviting people into his front room. And I love it because the text is, is so beautiful at this point. It says this, it says, Levi held a great banquet at Jesus, for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others joined him. Because that was the fruit of repentance in Levi's life. Kingdom life. At table with Jesus, it was a place of healing. It was a place of life, a place of restoration, a place of promise, a place of change. This was the heart of the good news that Jesus wanted to embody. Do you remember just a couple of chapters earlier in Luke's gospel where Jesus launches his ministry? What does he say? He quotes Isaiah 61 and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, release for the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke chapter 4. We're in Luke chapter 5. Jump ahead to Luke chapter 7. That moment where John's followers are asking, is this really the man? And how does Jesus respond? He doesn't say, oops, I've gone a bit too far. I'm a bit too joyful. No, he says, this is the sign. Luke chapter 7, he says this. Go back and report what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor, tax collectors are fed in my presence. 
Isn't that amazing? What a picture of God's goodness. But of course, it's all very unreasonable. It's slightly subversive. I mean, after all, Jesus, aren't you rewarding the wrong people? Encouraging the wrong behavior? So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law complain to the disciples. They see all this happening and they say, why do you go along with it? Clearly, this isn't what's expected of a prophet. Now, we need to understand, in Middle Eastern culture, meals often took place in the open air, okay? Meals, celebratory moments were not just private things like we're used to with our front door shut and our gate locked. They were, they were, they were in full view. If you celebrated and invited lots and lots of people, the whole village would know. The whole village knew because they could hear the music. They could see the dancing. They could hear the singing. And so here, Levi has invited everybody. He's invited his work colleagues. He's invited his, his neighbors. He's invited his disreputable Facebook friends. And they're all there. And the whole village knows about it, including the priests and the Pharisees. They don't like it. They can hear the singing. They can hear the laughter. They can hear the glasses clinking. They can hear, imagine the dancing. And they don't like it. It stops them praying. And in the religious culture of the time, that sort of behavior was profane. It was certainly not something that you mixed with worship. Temple worship was about holiness, about separation, about following the necessary stages. Jesus seemed to be just mocking the whole system. Suddenly, the worship wasn't happening in the temple, it was happening at the table. But in the wrong way, with the wrong people. So you can see why the Pharisees were shocked. What was Jesus saying about God? The Pharisees had it in their head that God spent time with the righteous. And they spent their lives trying to honor God, trying to fulfill his commandments so that he could, they could be with him. And suddenly Jesus is opening, opening the door to absolutely everybody off the street. No requirements. Not even an invitation card. Shall I tell you a dream I had? I had a dream two days ago. I've not told anybody except the nine o'clock lot. I had a dream two days ago. It's rather embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I, in my dream, I received an, a very posh invitation to a posh meal with the Queen. I've never been to a meal with the Queen. I've never seen the Queen, but I'd dearly love to. But here was the invitation. It was addressed to me, and it was a really nice, posh invitation. Indress, addressed to me personally. Andy Buckler. I think it said Andrew Buckler. Uh, I had a problem, though, because it was only addressed to me personally, and, and, but I was then informed that I was allowed to take somebody with me. So I had this wrestling in my dream. Should I take my wife or not? And in the end, in my dream, I decided I'd invite Uta to come with me. So she accepted, and we uh, dolled ourselves up for this amazing meal with the Queen, and we arrived. And I couldn't believe it. I arrived there, and there were hundreds of tables. And there were loads and loads of people, and they had not spent time like I had getting themselves all dressed up. They were wearing jeans. And they were just there, and they were sitting, and then I was shown to a table, and this is really, I'm sorry about this, but this got me really cross, okay? It didn't even have a tablecloth. The table I was shown, we were shown to, didn't even have a tablecloth. 
I was expecting, you know, that a meal with the queen. I was expecting, you know, the really nice stuff. And that the queen, maybe she wouldn't be sitting directly next to me, but, you know, like two away. And suddenly I'm there and there are hundreds of people and there are all these tables. And what's more, it was a meal outside. So the table wasn't even steady. The queen? I was really, really annoyed and I was about to leave. And that's where I had an argument with Uta. Because Uta said, you do not leave. And eventually she persuaded me and I stayed there. But boy, was I in a bad, bad, bad mood when I woke up and I told her so. <laughs> and I told her to repent because she'd had a wrong attitude in my dream. And she just ignored me. But listen, that attitude is exactly the attitude of the Pharisees. They could not understand why Jesus was opening the doors to everyone when the meal's meant to be reserved for the righteous. Those who've got their invitation card. And Jesus is turning the tables on the Pharisees because he's feasting with the excluded, with the unrighteous, with the sinners and the outcasts and the tax collectors. But this is the gospel. It's the gospel, the heart of the gospel. And Jesus says it at the end of our passage. He says this, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. So let's change hats and let's just put ourselves in the place of the sinners who come that day. They don't normally come to church at all. In fact, some of them have never even been in church except for a christening 25 years ago. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to speak to, but they are invited and they are going to come for fun. They're going to come for rejoicing. They're going to come for a meal because their mate Levi's invited them and he's full of love and full of laughter and full of life and they come and they discover Jesus is there. Hundreds of them. And they discover this prophet Jesus is there and they are absolutely transfixed because they're sharing a meal with Jesus. How do they feel? And that's the good news preached to the poor. As Jesus welcomes them to his table. It's extraordinary what happened to Levi. He followed and then he invited Jesus into his home. But it's extraordinary that, that Levi then sort of overflows and brings in all his cronies. Even his friends get in on the act. Now listen, we've got to understand the text here. The way that Levi is presented shows really clearly that Levi is Mr. Everyman. L Levi is any disciple. Do you see how he's presented here? Verse, 20, verse, 20, uh, 20, uh, verse 28, or even verse 27, beginning of our reason, uh, reading. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. That's what he says to every disciple, okay? That is the start of discipleship. Following Jesus, you hear his voice, follow me. So what does Levi do? Levi got up. That's what every disciple does. You hear Jesus and you get up. And then what does Levi do? Left everything and followed him. That is in the gospel, everything. That is what disciples do. They hear his call, they get up, they leave everything and follow him. 
Can you see here, we've got a picture of every disciple. And it's amazing because then Levi invites Jesus and invites his friends to his table. I love the way that it's put here. Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, verse 29, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. I love that, and others, because that's me. I've never been good with numbers. I'm not a tax collector, I'm not an accountant. My wife is, but I am hopeless. But I'm another, and I need Christ. And I'm glad because that day I was invited. And today I can respond. And every disciple hears Jesus' voice, gets up, follows him, leaving everything behind and then invites others to follow along. That's the way it is. And it's full of joy and laughter. So friends, here it is. Our table. This is our table. And King Jesus is here. We know that because we invited him at the beginning of the service. He's here. I put a sort of churchy chair here to represent Jesus' chair. But I I bet Jesus wouldn't have sat on that one. He probably sat on one of the others. But here's our table. And do you know what? On this table, we got some great food. We got some popcorn. We got some chocolates. We got some grapes. But we've also got this. Do you know what this is? A galette des rois. This is traditional French cake that you celebrate at Epiphany. I love it because it's got a crown reminding us that it's all about the king, the King Jesus. But here's the thing we are seeing Levi's banquet happen today. Because this afternoon, we have, how many people, Jean-Luc? How many have signed up for this afternoon? 150 people have signed up to come into this building this afternoon at half past three, and virtually none of them come to church normally. They're coming to celebrate the Galette des Rois. There'll be (laughs) dozens of these to share. French people who don't normally come to church. Levi's banquet, friends. Isn't that great? What about this week? Ruth, where are you? Where's Ruth? She's gone out with the children. Hmm? Ruth. Can somebody get Ruth in? Ruth, come in. This week on Tuesday, there is going to be a bouncy castle here. Sorry, H. Just there. There's going to be climbing equipment here. There's going to be games and it's going to be opened up. Ruth, what's happening this Tuesday? Soft play, we're starting. And we, yeah, I think that's enough. <laughs> and we're inviting people from outside the church into the church. It's Levi's banquet, friends. What's happening in two weeks? Don, who's coming regularly? Who, what are we starting up in two weeks' time? Night shelter. Don, stand up. Please, sorry, excuse me. Please stand up, Don. How many people do we get in for night shelter, Don? 55, 60 people who do not have a home. And 35 stay in overnight. 
We gave them food, cooked breakfast the next day. It's Levi's banquet. They don't know it. But they're eating with Jesus. That is what the church is about. It's about sharing Jesus, and we do it as we eat. Now, of course, when we come to Jesus, he doesn't just fill us with physical food for our stomachs. He fills us with food for our souls. And he transforms our lives. Levi was turned upside down by his encounter with Jesus. And I'll bet a whole load of his friends were as well. And isn't that our prayer? That as people come in, they don't just come into a building that's beautiful, but they sense Jesus. And they they find themselves at table with Jesus without even realizing it. That's Levi's banquet. And it's all about the unlikely, the last, the lost, the least coming in. Not the people we'd thought about. The wrong people. Amazing. Last uh, Friday evening, Pippa, we had a half night of prayer, didn't we? And it was fantastic up there. There were... 20, 25 of us praising. Gilbert was leading worship. It went on forever. I mean, it's, it was good. It went on forever, and it felt like just two minutes. I'm just, you know, I don't mean it, you know what I mean. It was brilliant. And we had a, we had a word or a picture during that time of, of a building with cracks in it. And the picture was that this building with cracks was being um, repaired as the cracks were being repaired. And and the idea was that God wanted to come and repair the cracks in our lives. Isn't that a beautiful image? And the great thing was that where the cracks had been repaired, the building was stronger. Friends, that's Levi's banquet. But do you know where it starts? It starts when we come to table with Jesus. When we receive his healing touch. It starts when we find good news for ourselves. It starts when we are ready to get up, leave everything and follow him. And then anything can happen. Levi's banquet, friends, that's the start of our journey. That's where discipleship begins, at table with Jesus. Now here's what we're going to do. We're at the start of a new year. And I am asking you to choose to get up, leave things behind and follow him this year. And as we do that, others will be drawn in. It's what happens. But it starts with us coming to table with Jesus Christ. Now this is our table. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to, in a moment, take a, after a moment of prayer, we're going to worship. And as we worship, I would like to invite you, if it's helpful, to get up and come and sit at table. You say to yourself, there aren't enough chairs. Yes, there are. Look how many chairs there are. We can bring chairs. But the point is, we don't stay there for half an hour, okay? It's symbolic. We get up, we sit down. Now, either you help yourself to some food, you can. 
You can eat during the service, that's going to be allowed. Or you'll see there are some post-it notes here. You can write a note to Jesus and leave it on the table saying thank you for what he has done for you or telling him you want to follow him this year and you want others to know through you. It starts when you come to table with Jesus Christ. So you can do what you want. You can sit here in silence as the, as the music goes on just for, just for 15 seconds. And as you do so, you just think, I am sitting with Jesus Christ. And his gifts are flowing into me. This is kingdom living. Or you can write something on a piece of paper or you can help yourself to some food because he's a generous God. Or you can invite someone to come with you. How about inviting the person sitting next to you to come with you to the table? You don't have to, but you might want to. We're going to do this in an orderly way, in a worshipful way. But this is fun, all right? This is fun because the table of Jesus is the table of celebration. It's the table of forgiveness. It's the table of healing. It's the discipleship table. It's the king's feast. And we are all invited. And it doesn't matter what you're wearing. All right? So let's have a moment of silence and the musicians are going to come up. And this is a moment, a holy moment, simply because Jesus is here. And I want you just to think in your minds of that image of Levi, the disciple. He hears Jesus' call. He gets up. He leaves behind the other things. And he follows. Is that what you want to do? Well, why don't you tell Jesus in this moment of silence that's what you'd like to do? So that this year is a year where we follow, where we eat at table with the King and we see others come to him too. Let's have a moment of prayer. Our God, we thank you so much for Levi's banquet. We thank you for this picture of your goodness and your grace, your healing love overflowing into our lives and through us into the lives of those around. We long to be at your table, O oh God, to be your people, following you, rejoicing with you, 